I am I'm not following. The, the first, the first audio tribute. Of course, Over... I mean, I thought Cal followed me though. No, no, Cal Patel. Ah,、uh, but Cal. Sorry, I pronounced wrongly. Cal. Oh, Carl. Miss, Carl. Cal. <laughs> <laughs> yes, 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 Cardo. Yeah, I, Cardo, I kept hearing、yeah. Cal. So yeah, yeah, not, yeah. Not Cal, Cardo. Yeah. Cardo. <laughs> Tyler is on mic, okay? I think so. Oh, you still、soft. you still sound a little soft and far、okay. away. Yeah. Hold on. But hey, But guys,、Tyler. I'm gonna be、um, in and out a bit today. I'm gonna、sure. stay on, stay on because I I feel、um, a lot of. Positive love and energy out of this、um, this room yeah, and the friends in this room, and I, I have to take my daughter in for a very long day of pediatric cardiology at Children's today again、mm-hmm. for like the fourth time this month.、Um, so I appreciate you letting me stay, but if I don't answer, if you ask me a question, it's only because I'll have 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 you muted、mm-hmm. if I'm in the echo lab or something. But okay, we send、anyway. you all positive energy. Take care. Thank you. I can yeah, positive energy. Yeah. Thank you. We're with you. Love you guys.、Yeah. Love you too. Yep, just hang around. Good luck. Good luck with that. Hope、uh, it goes well. How are you, Messi? Ah,、uh, I am. I am. Um, you know, we're all jumpy here, but yeah, it's um, it is. It is. It is what it is. It's the same as yesterday. <laughs> but thank you for Cheryl for asking. Thank you. Hmm.、Mm. Uh, YouTube cause or the Facebook、uh, civil war in Ethiopia. Oh、mm. come on, Tyler! It's not. It's、um, I don't think it's Facebook that's creating it. Like I said before, but I think no, no, the Wall Street、um, Journal like, does. I know you don't. Oh,、uh, I don't think Wall Street Journal thinks that Facebook. <laughs> Their headline was, "Facebook is <laughs> is、uh, causing a civil war in Ethiopia." Yeah, but I think、um, there are a lot of people,、um, uh, you know, who thinks that it is giving outlet to amplify things that really does make it worse. And and like I said many times, we really, really don't need that at the moment. It's it's really, really、uh, difficult time, and、uh, for the country, for all of us, a lot of foreigners are leaving.、Uh, a lot Businesses, a lot of investors. It's really a difficult time. So what we need is something that actually can just bring in peace, not amplify、uh, false information or、um, that can exasperate the tribal,、um, you know, the ethnicity divisions and things like that. And I think Facebook does create a platform that gives voice and amplification to that type of、uh, content. Uh, and I do believe that there are so many content like that,、um, but I don't believe they create they created the civil war. Okay. See, I'm so sorry. I, I hear it in your voice, and I I want to give you、I、a hug. I know. But,、um, yeah. Yeah. Stay so, safe, Messi. Hi, hi, Messi. It's Juana, and hi everyone in the room. Can you hear me? Yeah. Sorry. Yes, we can hear you, Juana. I've been sorry. I've been away from the room because I've been traveling quite a bit nonstop the last four weeks. I was actually started my week last week in Hawaii visiting an LP,、uh, the, the, the island where Zuckerberg has his house. But I was following Ethiopia closely because I'm actually due. I'm in London now. So、that's why I'm back on the time zone that I, I, I'm familiar with for tech news.、Um, but I'm planning to actually fly. My last leg to get back to Tanzania is through Addis, the Ethiopian, 
And right now, I'm sticking sticking with that plan because we have one portfolio investment in Ethiopia in, in health tech. Um, so, Messi, it would be great to hear more about what's going on. But I, I, I don't like to cancel my plans based on this. Obviously, if it's unsafe and if you open cancels my flight, then that's obviously a different matter. But I want to come down and pass through and I'd love to support wherever I can. So let me know. Uh, that would be in about two weeks' time, about 20 seconds. Yeah, um, please do. Yeah, we can talk in private. Um, yeah, I can I can talk to you. Um, I I can tell you that just flying through is is okay right now. That's what a lot of people do. But there are also a lot of businesses that are leaving. Um, I'm sure you know that it's public knowledge now. Safaricom has evacuated um, all of their employees. I think most of them. Um, but they haven't pulled out their businesses, but they did um, move out their employees and things like that. So international businesses, some of them are doing, some of them are sticking around. Um, me and my husband are still here, uh, but most of our colleagues have gone back to the U.S. and Canada and things like that. Uh, embassies are giving warning, so it depends what embassy you follow. So Americans are saying go leave and because my, my husband is American that he was told to leave but he's still staying because I, I said I wanted to stay a bit more and see. I'm Canadian. The Canadians are not telling us to go but be careful. Um, the French are like that. So Israel is telling their citizens to leave. So yeah, let's let's talk in private. Um, and, and if you are just passing through, it might be okay. But in two weeks, who knows? We are watching developments every day. So um, every every morning there is news. So uh, so um, yeah, I can see. Please I can, be safe. Yeah, thank you. Be safe, Messi. Positive energy to your way too. Thank you, Cheryl. Thank you, everybody. Yep. Okay. Yep, Tyler, I need to pin the links. Okay. Um, okay. Here. I will pin uh, Dr. Francine's room first, and then you can start reading the... Okay, go ahead. Oh, yeah. Okay, thank you. It says you're not in the room. I am. Yeah, okay, you pinned, pinned it. Okay, good. Okay, good. All right. Let's try and do this. Uh, anyone have something burning they want to share first? There will be snow in Stockholm tomorrow. <laughs> oh, really? Let it snow, let it, it snow, let it snow. Okay, that's that's concerning. Um, let's see here. What's What do I need? I've got this. Okay, well, here's the top story. Let me hit the air horn first. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> As is tradition. Oh, John's okay. Yeah, I guess, well, you got a whole bunch of people raising their hands down here. Hold on. I... Yes, I'm, I'm bringing them up now. Okay, here we go. So welcome back, everybody. Happy Thursday, November 11th. This is the top story that after criticism from users, Discord CEO says it has no plans to add crypto and NFT tools to the service. Which seems a little strange. It seems that seems like the opposite might be true. If it, it seems like everyone's adding NFT and crypto, and you, your user your users would be upset if you weren't adding it. And I 
I guess Discord users don't want anything to do with cryptos and NFTs. Does somebody have any insight well, on Tyler, it? Yeah. Uh, inside the Discords, you actually can connect through the language, through the programming language, to put APIs to connect to wallets and NFTs. So I really believe it's more that the functionality of Discord is already connected to gaming, and you could already programmatically use bots and code to get information from the blockchain that you'd want. So in some ways, I would think that they're they're focusing on just keeping the platform the way it is. Okay, so it says here in the article, the Discord founder sought to reassure users on Wednesday that the company doesn't have impending plans to shift its business toward NFTs. In a tweet earlier this week, he shared an image of a crypto wallet called MetaMask integrated into Discord's user interface with the text probably nothing as a hint of things to come shorthand language in the nft space or something that's about to be a big deal he contextualized the previous tweet wednesday evening noting that discord has no current plans to integrate crypto into its app discord also provided the following statement clarifying its plans we appreciate all the perspectives we've been hearing in response to the internal concept you may have seen in a tweet earlier this week and want to clarify that we have no plans to ship it at this time we're excited about the potential for web3 technology and the positive ways these communities are coming together on discord especially those organized around environmentally friendly creator focused projects however we also recognize there are some problems we need to work through for now, we're focused on protecting users from spams, scams, and fraud. Okay. So just quickly on this, Tyler, um, I think a huge amount of this is due to what Discord is and where its roots have come from. I mean, Discord was heavily, heavily gaming and, and still is heavily, heavily yeah. gaming. And then people started to learn about it and development teams started to use it. So then it became the go-to for certain projects, things like um uh great minds future uh, small steps and future leaps and, and that kind of thing and um programming communities and frameworks and they all started using it and then the wider world started to learn about it and how sort of uncensored it is and especially um as reddit started to crack down more and more on content and subreddits people actually started moving over to uh discord with um maybe more unsavory things like uh, OnlyFans and that sort of stuff. So this, the central concept of Discord has become kind of mixed up and diluted and twisted a little bit. And I think this is... NFTs are awesome, crypto is awesome, but there's a lot of danger in this space. And I think it's just another another thing piling on, on top of that where the core users are going, hold on a minute, what is this platform now? What, what are we coming here for? Please remember your roots. Okay. So the next article is... Uh, Disney misses Q4 estimates after slower streaming service growth with Disney Plus adding only 2 million subscribers in the quarter, now a total of 118 million. And, yeah, it's getting a little saturated. They're going to have to go into new territories and create new services like Netflix is doing with video games. And what would you do if you were Disney... And you wanted to boost Disney Plus. So the next one is from Bloomberg that Universal Music Group, which is one of the uh, three or four mega global music companies, says it is creating a band called Kingship 
out of four Board Ape Yacht Club NFTs and plans to feature them in video games, VR, and more. Kingship, consisting of four virtual apes, reimagines the idea of a band and a brand. See, this this is starting to make me like NFTs even less for some reason. Um, I, I'm just sensing just too much greed and. Uh, this seems like opportunism. The world's, large, the world's largest music company has created a band of four virtual apes. If that sentence makes you question your sanity or the state of Western civilization, you aren't alone. Yeah, count me in for that one. Universal Music Group is combining two hot digital concepts that you've likely read about in the past year, non-fungible tokens and the metaverse. Thanks to the appreciation of cryptocurrencies and some very famous boosters like Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg, they've gone from esoteric to ubiquitous in just a few months. And while NFT boom has often felt like it involves a bunch of people who made too much money buying crypto, major corporations are trying to figure out how to leverage both NFTs and the metaverse to their advantage. Yes, and that's why it makes me sick to my stomach. Facebook, which, Facebook, which has changed its name to Meta. Uh, is the most prominent example embracing the concept of an interconnected virtual world. Universal Music, the home to top-selling musicians like Drake and Taylor Swift, is working with collector Jimmy McNellis to convert four of his NFTs into a band called Kingship. Kingship consists of four digital characters, three bored apes and a mutant ape, all part of an NFT collection known as the Board Ape Yacht Club. The club is one of the most successful NFT stories of the past year. It gave everyone who bought one of the apes full commercial rights to use the image. One of Universal's labels has hired a team of crypto artists and animators to turn the two-dimensional apes into three-dimensional beings. The company will record music for Kingship that it releases on streaming services. The band, quote-unquote, will perform and participate in video games, virtual reality applications, and across constellation of digital experiences known as the metaverse. You can call it an NFT band or think of them as characters says the head of the label in an interview. The characters will come to life. The apes will come to life. I mean, it was bound to happen, right, Tyler? It was bound to happen. But I'm also curious to see, it. you know, behind these characters, someone's doing the music. So someone's, you know, getting getting rights and licensing and, and uh, residuals and so forth. So, you know, it's I, I don't like it, but I'm not I'm not surprised it was bound to happen. Just remember the gorillas from the 90s. Yeah, you can't not think of gorillas. Yeah. I'm so nostalgic to go listen to their first album now. Um, I'm so happy you said that, Carl. <laughs> we have another synthetic group called Spice Girls. Oh. <laughs> I'm happy this works. How about the monkeys? Yeah, other people on Twitter are comparing it to gorillas. Uh, the the monkey like faces do, doesn't help. Uh, okay, next article: Instagram is testing a new feature called Take a Break, an opt-in feature that reminds users to take a break after ten, twenty, or thirty minutes, uh, as they can choose the frequency of the reminder to take a break. As it's completely if, useless. People won't use it. It's been on Apple for ages. People don't bother. 
That you know what? I think you just helped unravel the mystery. Which that's, that's me as well. I have the app and I don't use it. Correct. And I think Instagram knows they've obviously before they launch these things, they test these things very thoroughly, and they found exactly that that no one's going to use it. However, this does give them a little one extra important uh, weapon in their debates with regulators about the addiction of Instagram, which is well, if you're addicted, well, we may we have the take your break feature. Uh, we make it. What else would you like us to do? Punch you through in, on your nose to make you stop being addicted to it? Uh, we offered you a tool to take a break, and it's up. It's on you to engage it or not. We offered it to you, and uh, you didn't use it. So now you can't blame us for your addiction, because that's you're an American. You're going to want to blame us because we're a big, rich company. But we just figured out a very clever way. To nullify your argument that we are responsible for your lack of self-control. You haven't touched on you haven't touched on the fact that blaming them is also lucrative because then comes the lawsuits, the multi-claim suits. It this is what we do in America. I know, but I I can just see this coming up in a court suit, like in in the middle of a lawsuit. Uh, You know, Your Honor, we I have uh, the take a break feature, and uh, the user decided they didn't want it, and now they want to sue us for you know, blaming us for making them addicted. Uh, Your Honor, here's the take a break feature. Uh, it's very simple to use and the user chose not to use it. And then the the judge is going to be like, is this correct? Yes, it is. This case was dismissed. I mean, I, that why else would they even offer this? Covering their own ass. Yeah, they're covering their own ass. This This whole situation feels a little like the U.S. government after drugs pushers because they're not paying their full amount of taxes and the drugs pushers are saying and they're using some excuse how drugs are. it's clever no one's well, go- we're saying to the to the consumers before we hand over the baggie yeah but i mean as we've as as people have said on this stage things like this exist and nobody uses them and they know no one's going to use them that's why there's no harm in doing it but they do benefit by you know giving themselves additional um, uh, a kind of impunity or immunity from accusations of trying to encourage addiction. Uh, Tyler, oh. well, it's, it's all about optics. It's all about the optics. Right? I'd just so, like so. to ask anyone who have Apple Watch. Apple Watch, will you can set like a, uh, take a deep breath on note. So will you do it or not? If you, you were do it, so sometimes this kind of heads up Actually, uh, yeah, effective in some way. Okay, next up. I use those sort of features, BB. Yeah, so I, and I think routinely you can take a break if you, you really, you know, um, deep, you are in so deep in your work, so that kind of tip up will make you a stop. That's my point. Thank you. What happens during the take a break period? And how long is the break? You mean from it's the, really from up the to you, and 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 then I do whatever's contrary to what I was doing. So if I was writing, I'll maybe watch something. If I was watching something, I'll probably get into a book or a dance. But that that takes the onus off of the company, right? And and places it on me, being the responsible adult that I am, to understand that I'm diving too deeply into something and I need a break, and setting those in place 
it's really my responsibility, no one else's. The, the point you make there is, is really important when you were saying that, you know, what Tyler said, you know, what, what do you do when you're taking a break from one thing? And then one of the things you said was you go and watch something for a moment. And this harkens back to a point that I made months ago. And that is not really that this is so much more complicated than than the Wall Street journalist making out going after Facebook. It's a societal thing. It's a it's a consumption thing, because if you put Facebook down, you pick up Instagram. If you put Instagram down, you pick up TikTok. If you put TikTok down, you pick up Snapchat. You put that down, you pick up YouTube. And it's just a never ending stream of, of content into not everybody, but some people just can't stop. And, and they're no longer thinking machines anymore. They are just consumers. And that's that's just a really sad thing. And now I don't know what the uh, the solution to this is at all. But I think Vinay's point, all of this is just theater. This update is theater. The the U.S. government going after um, big tech is theater. The, the the media system going after Facebook and, and other social media is just theater. It's, is anybody actually wanting to make things better? Is, is anybody doing what they're doing to make things better? I'm that's not so sure. Fabulous either. question. I think, uh, yeah, I think no. it goes down to what Sharon just said. I mean, it's a self-control. At some point, we're just going to have to kind of, you know, police ourselves and just kind of use our own, our own common sense and uh, and parameters. No, I, you know, uh, to Carl's point, Carl, it's interesting you kept saying that because I was thinking you're just making the case for all the, like the anti-vaxxers. You just made the case for all the anti-interneters, right? So they'll say, you know. We can't control ourselves with no matter what platform there is. So let's get rid of the whole internet, <laughs> right? Uh, that's the other extremists that will come up. The, the internet in its current impl implementation, as in there are plenty of platforms that provide content that don't push it so aggressively, okay? But, you know, one of these platforms, they have teams of psychologists and UI experts and UX experts who design these systems to be as engaging as possible, to keep pulling you back. You know, they'll obsess over the sound of the ping and they'll obsess over the shading on the bottom right hand side of the of the uh, of the likes count and shit like that and it's just you know if, yeah. if you've got well, companies putting millions into yeah. this then how can you expect a singular person to with all the stresses of daily life not sink into it so it's it's just yeah, yeah everybody needs to be better the, the individual needs to be better the companies need to be better we just i don't know i'm soapboxing sorry i i used to be addicted to a pac, pac man and frogger years ago right so we always find something i'm still addicted to pac-man i don't know about you Vinay, but i'm still addicted to pac-man i am i am but i can't find it it's, it's, I, I blew my game so i need a new one okay so the next article is and Vinay, you sound very far away uh, the next one is that the u.s justice department sues uber alleging Uber overcharged riders with disabilities in violation of the Americans with Disability Act by um, not, um, it says the U.S. Justice Department said Wednesday it filed a lawsuit against Uber, alleging the company charged dis disabled passengers a wait time fee when they were slow to enter the rides. The next one's from the Wall Street Journal. A look at Elon Musk's um, pre-planned moves for Tesla stock after it fell 12% following his weekend Twitter poll where users voted he should sell 10% of his shares. Three days of share 
disposals come as the billionaire chief executive exercises a large number of stock options. And researcher details how hacker for hire group Rocket Hack infiltrated the email and telegram accounts of more than 3,500 individuals, including politicians and journalists. Let's read that one. Forbes says they have an exclusive. A cyber mercenary is hacking the Google and Telegram accounts of presidential candidates, journalists, and doctors. An unprecedented peek inside an underground hacker-for-hire operation reveals 3,500 targets, including Belarusian presidential candidates, Uzbek human rights activists, and a cryptocurrency exchange. Their primary targets were Gmail, ProtonMail, and Telegram accounts belonging to anyone whom their paymasters want to spy on. A stakeout in digital investigations looks very different to the traditional images of sleuths camped out in black, blacked-out vans. Just ask Netherlands-based cybersecurity researcher uh, Fike, who spent some months behind his computer screen tracking the activities of a hacker-for-hire crew called Rocket Hack, when in October 2020, he had a slice of luck. Data collected by his employer, Trend Micro, pointed to a web page used by a rocket hack to monitor its victims. Requiring no password to enter, it effectively gave him a shop floor view of a bustling hacker-for-hire operation. The breakthrough led to the discovery that for the last four years, the Russian-speaking rocket hack crew has quietly infiltrated email and telegram accounts, PCs and Android phones, as well as many... Uh, of as many as 3,500 individuals. The targets range from journalists, human rights activists, and politicians through to telecommunication engineers and IVF doctors across the few dozen clinics. His findings provide startling proof that alongside established businesses like Israel's NSO Group, who provide services for law enforcement to hack in into devices, there's an underground industry of players like Rocket Hack who break into people's digital lives for the highest bidder, whether that's a government, a corporate espionage client, a stalker, or an abusive spouse. Rocket Hack's business model, according to a report, shows, uh, as shown to Forbes ahead of the publication on Wednesday at the Black Hat Europe Security Conference, is simple. It goes after the most private and personal data of a business and in, of businesses and individuals then sells that data to whoever wants to pay for it. Alongside access to people's emails, the crew has also sold call record logs from cell towers, airline data, and banking information. The primary hacking method is via phishing, with emails containing links to fake login pages for Google, Gmail, encrypted email service Proton, and Telegram, among others. A 2018 advertisement from the hackers suggested breaching the security-focused ProtonMail was its most expensive service at 50,000 rubles, or $700, at today's exchange rate, while cracking a Gmail account would cost 40,000 rubles, so about $600. But there's evidence that with some Russian email providers, they have some kind of deeper access as they offer to get into accounts without need to trick the user with phishing emails. Would be a keylogger. So, 
Next up um, is another cybersecurity vulnerability. Trend Micro report details the activities of hacker for hire group called Avoid Balour, which has targeted U.S. telecom companies and others since the mid-2010s. Uber is back in the news. Uber says it will raise London rates by 10% to increase driver pay, with an additional 15% for some destinations like Heathrow, the first increase since 2017. JavaScript-based smart contract service called Agoric, which is built uh, on Cosmos SDK, raises $32 million. Apple unveils business essentials for small, medium businesses. We covered that yesterday. Twitter will no longer crop photo previews on the web after a similar update on iOS and Android. Following claims of bias in its auto-cropping algorithms. Bloomberg headline says how Google's Earth Engine is helping nonprofits and researchers manage deforestation, floods, and droughts with its satellite imagery and data analysis tools. South Korean K-pop management agency called Hybe partners with crypto exchange Dunamu or Dunamu to create a U.S.-based platform for NFTs, including for BTS launching next year. And Implied Intuition, which makes software for autonomous vehicles, raises $175 million. Uh, Reuters says they have sources that Didi, the Uber of China, plans to relaunch its ride-hailing and other apps in China. Beijing's investigations begin to conclude. Sources says Didi expects a $1.6 billion fine. Reuters headline says, after toning down its singles day marketing, Alibaba says nearly 400 brands reached $15 million in sales. JD.com says sales reached $48.7 billion in one day, up from $42 billion last year. Indonesia's go-to uh, delivery company raises $1.3 billion from the Abu Dhabi Investment Authority and Google and others ahead of its IPO. Berlin-based e-commerce logistics startup Hive raises $34 million, led by Early Bird and something awful administrator, I guess it's a company called Something Awful, uh, the administrator says that the founder has died at the age of 45. And Arkansas-based Zenwork, which develops tax and regulatory compliance software, raises $162 million from Spectrum Equity. Online food delivery platform Zomato Invest $175 million across Indian startups like ShipRocket, CureFit, and MagicPin, and plans to invest $1 billion in startups over two years. Sandbox VR, which offers VR experiences at a dozen retail locations worldwide, raises $37 million, led by Andreessen Horowitz. Tyler. Yes. Can we go, can we go back a minute yep. to 
the fact that another founder has died. Yeah. We're we're doing the room today at 11 for Chris and I, it just reminds me again about entrepreneurs and their health and what a totally important subject that is to raise awareness. Mm -hmm. So it's worth in seeing what might if they, if there's any indications if this was heart attack related if so it would be a very good reminder that perhaps an or apple suicide related yeah That's we had one of those in la um this one says long time something awful form administrator uh named fragmaster posted that site founder richard low tax Kyanka has died. I guess I should preface this by saying his this isn't a joke, especially since I'm posting for like the first time in 10 years or something, but I got the bad news today directly from Rich's family. Lotax has passed away. I didn't ask for details, he continues. I don't know the details. I don't know what the current opinion of Rich here is. Not here to answer questions. I'm sharing the news. I really hate to share this news, but there you go. His second well, that was useless. Yeah. His second wife, who posts on the website under the name Lady Ambien, has confirmed her husband's death in a very angry post about his treatment of her and their children. For the admin's eulogy for the site's founder, which was originally posted in a da-da-da-da-da. Um the rest of the article doesn't give any other details. It's just other incidences like an arrest he had or, you know, random things not related to the headline. Yep. I'm just curious how, how did this headline get onto our top list? Because a lot of people tweeted about it. Oh, that's why. Okay. Okay. So that covers the big boring headlines with the exception of one more here, which is Affirm, the buy now, pay later company that was the American uh, clone of Klarna, did their uh, quarter uh, report uh, with a revenue of $269 million versus the market estimate of 248. So they very handedly beat Wall Street's estimates uh, with a growth of 55% year over year, 8.7 million active customers up 124% year over year. So the stock jumped 25% as a result. And if you join us every day, you know that I'm an affirm shareholder in full transparency uh, because it's one of the few buy now pay laters that are publicly traded. The next, yeah, we've gone through the big boring headlines. So we can now get into the tweets. Uh, like this first one from Evan. A new study says, we tell the most lies on video chat. And, but the question is, if we lie the most on video chat, where do we lie the least? That's 
your chance to play anywhere, our anywhere well, supported. So why do why do oh, sorry. sorry sorry I just curious why why do you need to lie in video chat? It's so we so the question is the metaverse. We think we aren't being recorded, or it's being、uh, captured in emails, etc. So we lie to you. Bumble. When we know、Even、there's、bed. a record of the conversation. Tyler, like on Bumble or the dating apps, like happen Bumble, Tinder. Anyway, recorded phone、honest. calls. I would imagine they lie the most there. I didn't even hear the question. What was that? Messy. Messy. I'm with Messy. Whatever she says. Face to face. <laughs> Me too. Church. I didn't hear the question, honestly. Messi, you're too honest. Okay, they lie a great deal. You don't have、church. to answer. I like the、okay. person who just said church. Where's the least、yeah. amount of lying? Okay, so the question is: If, according to the study,、uh, a new study says we tell the most lies on video chat, which communication platform do we lie the least? Telephones. Yep, recorded phone lines. This is actually a very logical. So I imagine Carl might figure this out. I'm going to put the pressure on.、Um, I think potentially this is just straight up messaging. Yeah.、But、maybe Thanks, anything、message. too simplistic there. No, I'll give you a hint, everybody. So it's it's correct that the reason people lie the most on video chat is because it's difficult. To share and forward a video chat to somebody, the evidence of the lie, you would have to do a video recording of the call. So you have plausible deniability that I'd never said that, but which so the 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 big hint and almost giving it away is which medium is the most easily forwardable, the actual provable. Communication, not a screenshot of it. Messaging, mail, e- e- <clears throat> email, email, email. So email has the least lies because you can directly forward the mail to somebody else,、uh, kind of unedited. Also, I would also because say that... it's used as evidence in court. Yes. And why are you using the email? As in that the 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 reason why you're using the technology. Is often different. It's it's normally for business or more mature, you know, reasons. Email is seen as a permanent record, guys. Okay, so other articles here. Evan found a really interesting video, and I'm tweeting out now to the Twitter account of the the Qualcomm Metaverse, the Qualcomm powered AR glasses. Have an HD resolution and use sensors and tracking cameras to track head and hand movements, and it ties directly into your smartphone and it converts your smartphone into a metaverse device. And you can now see the video from the Tech News Twitter account, and maybe Cheryl can pin that one to the top of the room. It's a really good video. Yes, I will do that. Okay, and. What else do we got here? Here's the next one.、Uh, also from Evan,、uh, and it's about how Beeple, the artist who sold the sixty-nine million dollar NFT that 
made new headlines around the world several months ago is back again because he just sold another NFT for um but how much was this most recent one? 20, 29 million? Yes, yeah, 29 yeah, million. Yep. And now he's appearing on the late night talk shows like the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon explaining how he he went from selling art for $100 to his multi-million dollar um art sales now through nfts indeed that's he's one of the highest paid living artists selling having two pieces now one for 69 million another for 29 million it puts him in the category of like jeff coons and uh damien hurst and the likes i can't wait no, for no offense, but this is luck he, he hit the nft craze at the right time is is that not most minting in the NFTs right now? Uh, well, to to that point, Dr. Fran found this one from Forbes. The headline says from Forbes, NFTs find a place on the cover of Vogue magazine. This year Vogue My point my point exactly. Wait for the <laughs> NFT the big NFT crash coming soon to a neighborhood near you. This year, Vogue announced a new theme for the September as each of its 27 editions around the world synchronized to tell one cohesive narrative. Oh, boy. Um, uh, just just going back to that interview thing with um, people, I think people should maybe give that a go, if nothing else for the lols, because you're going to have a man who professedly doesn't really understand NFTs being interviewed by a man who doesn't understand NFTs for an audience of people who don't understand NFTs. It's oh, going to be wonderful to watch. It is going to be joyous. <laughs> um. A May, what is this one? A Subway sandwich worker with a baby yeah. strapped. That was really sad to read, Tyler. That's the state of how people are like struggling to even just get their basic needs met. Yeah, this is an amazing story. Yeah, that's why I shared it. I knew you'd find it quite interesting. It, well, uh, and know. not, no pun intended with the Subway joke. I know. It's subway sandwiches crazy. aside, tuna jokes aside. Um, this is an article. I just shared it to the Tech News Twitter account at TNATW. It shows a, a man working at Subway Sandwiches, just like any other Subway Sandwich artist you've ever ordered a, a footlong tuna from before. But this, this one is a little different because he brought his newborn child to work and is wearing it in what's called a baby Bjorn on his chest while he makes sandwiches. Subway worker with baby strapped to his chest sparks debate, as it should. If he gets fired for this, I'm fighting everyone at Subway, one user commented. I'll be with him, because when my kids were babies, there was a baby backpack that you could buy and put on your back, and I was an English professor at the time, and I took my kids to work on my back in the backpack because of course we have no child care in the united states bingo or child care is extremely expensive correct it's actually quite or sad bad. it's quite hurtful to see that because 
you don't want him, this man to get, yeah, I'm with Dr. Fran, man. I'd be the Francine. I'm, I'd be the one right on top of them to fight them. So it says, the video of an American subway employee. No, no, no. He's a sandwich artist, first of all. Let's get, let's get our terminology straight here. A layers architect. Uh, making sandwiches with a baby strap to his chest has sparked online debate about working parents. The TikTok video is set to Reba McIntyre's I'm a Survivor and has been viewed over 2 million times since it was shared on Saturday, November 6th. The video was posted by Leslie Munoz, who, it was later revealed, is the baby's mother. Munoz, who is a former Subway employee, said she made a lot of close friends while she was working at the quick service restaurant. In a follow-up TikTok video, she clarified that the man in the video is a former co-worker and a friend who adores her son. A single mom, Munoz was responding to some users who asked for the man's GoFundMe because he deserves help. In a statement to in a statement, Munoz explains she asked her friend to hold the baby while she ate. When she stopped by the outlet for a meal, the co the old co-worker was so excited and strapped him on. He then proceeded to make my sandwich, but as soon as a customer came in, he was given back to me. There was an outpouring of support for the un unnamed Subway employee online, and the TikTok triggered conversations about child support, single working parents, and, and leave policies. One comment read, If I saw this at a local Subway, I would not be bothered. Sometimes child care falls through, though. Can we normalize this? A normal use another user said, There shouldn't have to be a choice between taking care of a child and making money to take care of the child. This is such a big conversation. Oh, I'll say. And it's really funny because we are tech news around the world, and it's basically an American conversation because other countries yes. have dealt with this in completely uh, different Dr. and better ways. Spot on. I think it's global. Here is the, the thing, you know, the mother, if you have to take care of the kids, basically, uh, you might mm, be fired but uh, not directly they will get pressure to leave that job so i think it's globally what's also so beautiful about this is that babies at that age love to be in the baby bjorn so you can do a lot with the baby in the baby bjorn it's just whether or not you know i mean i can see arguments that they'll make but i'm so in favor of this this is beautiful Oh, yeah, me too. But as a customer, I think um, you can sympathize that situation. At the same time, it's a um, food-making situation. I mean, you still have other uh, SOP you have to follow. So I think the controversy, yeah, it's... Um, yeah, I think he has no other way, but still that work situation or the environment may not be okay to have a baby there. Okay. Um, some other good tweets coming in here, like this one from Renjanth, that there's another new unicorn in India today. Uh, right on track, another week, another Indian unicorn. CureFit 
becomes a unicorn after Zamato's investment, which we read about just a bit earlier. And so there, and Zamato invested $100 million for 6.4% of the company, which makes it worth $1.56 billion. So congrats to India on their weekly unicorn, keeping that train rolling. And that would be number 36 for those keeping count. And Cheryl found a good one that... Indonesia has ruled today that crypto is illegal under Islamic law. Despite the booming crypto industry, the East Java branch of the Indonesian Islamic Organization has declared cryptocurrency as haram or forbidden under Islamic law. be interesting to see how other Middle Eastern or other Islamic states rule on the uh, the halal or haramness of crypto. You are breaking up um, wonderfully, at least for me. Go ahead, try again. I was wondering how they explained the why of it. This seems a little odd. How is it uh, haram? Uh, maybe something to do with the way that it's mined? The, the other the question... Or the gambling nature? It could potentially be, or, or it's just a move for control. Um, the question I really want answered and i don't know enough about the area is how effective is this going to be i mean we've seen in china that uh, they have banned it and then they rebanned it and then rebanned it and then rebanned it and um it didn't do a you know obviously it, it affected the openness of the mining and the asset holding but um, there's still a lot of people who just drove it underground so um how how is this actually going to affect the region will people abide by this ruling will you know question i i have a i have a some background noise here that's why i was i was being a bit quiet but but basically it's it's the idea of uh, risking your money and the idea of losing money and uh losing wages over something that's not 100 percent sure so that that has something to do with it partially but um you know but i, I can't tell you how big crypto is right now in in the middle east so i don't think it's anything that's going to stop anytime soon Okay. Um, speaking of fintechs, Aaron, you just shared uh, news about a UK buy now, pay later unicorn called Zilch. Yeah, that's them. What They're looking what? to break into the US market? Um, buy, buy now, pay later. They they raised, I think it was eighty million earlier uh, in the year. Another hundred and ten, I think, recently. Um, I think it's is it is a four billion dollar valuation or a two billion dollar? I remember it's a billion dollar. Um, yeah, I'm just two now. I think. Two now, Carl. Um, yeah, just just as we've been saying before, it's just um, it's just hot, hot, hot. As buy now, pay later, and obviously, um, you'll see other articles. Um, my former employer, Mastercard, have also made it available on the platform. I think for me, this is a, a you know an opportune moment for fintech to really step up because buy now pay later means you know deferred credit, right? It's 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 money given 
for a later date to be paid. And so you might think you have more money coming to you because just like we have in the US, we've got, um, you know, debit payments. Um, they're called direct debits in the UK. And, and those payments are sometimes unseen by and, and unsh not shown clearly to people in their bank statements because they come out at the end of every month or whatever. There's an opportunity for fintech to really step up to the plate here and, and have people, rather than looking backwards at your spend, have a, an opportunity to look forward to your spend so you can plan and budget your money better. Mm -hmm. um, the next one is that YouTube starts hiding public dislike counts keeps them private for the content creator. Uh, so YouTube starts hiding public dislike counts on videos to keep smaller creators from being targeted by dislike attacks. Following a test in March, creators will still be able to see how many people dislike their videos. YouTube has announced that it'll be hiding public dislike counts on videos across the site, across YouTube starting today. So this, this goes a little bit further than that as well, because it's um, it follows a lot of core changes to their API. I happen to work a little bit in this. Um, and one of the products that we're working on is uh, uh, an insights platform that uh, collates all your media and everything across different sources and then gives you some um, high level uh, metrics on how you're performing compared to others in your sector and the pathway you should take and that kind of thing. Um, and the, again, YouTube has just been doubling down on their API, making it more and more restrictive over the past couple of months. And then this changes another one where, um, again, you can, you can no longer scan for um, competitors or other YouTube accounts other than your own and collect it. That, that level of data that you can get about other YouTube accounts and streams is getting smaller and smaller every single year as it goes by. And it's really affecting a lot of these. Mm -hmm. Okay, next up. Is, oh, by the kind of to that point, I saw um, I just had a meeting to, to affect them. Oh, sorry, Carl. It, it seems you dropped out for a minute or maybe I did. Oh, sorry. Uh, was it was it me? Can anybody else confirm? Was it me? Was it Tyler? Uh, no, you're okay, Carl. You're okay. Right. Yeah. So to, just just a summary of my point is that, that this is, this is going to affect a little bit more than that as well because there's actually a lot of services, media management platforms that rely on a lot of these statistics, and YouTube is is locking them down. Um, you know, year on year is giving you less and less data, and it's it's going to affect a lot of companies that rely on these external platforms to give them the metrics that they need. Um, in guidance of what content they should be uh, creating. Okay, so I had a meeting today. Um, I can I sound okay, yeah. 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 Okay. So it's with an, an a very highly respected AI guru um, who's built the AI algorithms for some of the one of the world's biggest tech companies. Who happens to be a friend of mine and he asked to have coffee today so i went to visit him and he wanted to show me what he's working on now some secret new big thing and my god what an absolute genius uh thing this is for example imagine a a new type of startup fintech startup 
Uh, and, you know, we read every day about startups that are trying to raise money or that are successfully raising money. We read their, you know, fundraising announcements, you know, as we have many times today already. And the idea is when people, when startups raise money, they're giving, they don't just get free money. They have to give up something in exchange for that. And they're giving up a percentage of the company, usually somewhere between five and 25 or even 30%. And that's called, you know, getting, you know, cash for equity. And that's how traditional startup fundraising works. However, if you have a really legitimate growing business that's very dependably growing, um, well, let me put it this way. The cash for you know shares of the company, cash for equity, that works very well when there's a lot of risk in the startup where you're not sure that the, the company could die tomorrow. So you don't want to take that risk. So the investor takes that risk. Otherwise, you would go to a bank and get a loan and grow the, if you had an incredibly secure startup and you knew you were going to make a bunch of money in the next 12 months from your startup, you wouldn't take, uh, you wouldn't give away 10% of your company. You would keep the 10% of your company and just go get a loan. And then you would pay back the loan at the end of the year, right? Anyone would do that. So you don't have to give up 10, 20% of your company. Makes sense? Now, this is where it gets really interesting because this uh, AI uh, guru friend of mine um, who's made one of the world's best algorithms and, for example, figured out, well, what if you're a startup and you give us all of your data from all of your services? For example, you're using MailChimp and you're using uh, Salesforce and you're using Google Cloud and all, you know, you have dozens of services that you use as a startup. And we've made a little dashboard for you to connect all of your services so that we can have a look into all of your data. And what this person is a master at doing is taking all of those data signals and making logical sense out of them into the future. That's what algorithms do. So um, you're a startup, you, you need money. We can give you money in the form of a loan. If you let us see all of your data, we can tell you if we if you qualify for a, a loan that is better rate than even any bank could ever give you. Now, what's clever about that is, is every startup that applies is giving lots of data that then trains the algorithms to get ever better. That's the magic of AI is that they constantly are learning and improving all the time. The more data, the better. So eventually this system would learn, uh, oh, this you did on, on one of your apps, you sent out a campaign that created an, a, a really strong, notable spike of... Did your kids send you any pictures of Disney? Oh, we got a hot mic there. Sounded like Netta, but I don't see... Oh, L, sorry. I think it's Ellie. Yeah. So the system would continue to improve constantly and could monitor every activity that the company does and figure out what are the most effective campaigns and strategies and movements and decisions the company's making and then 
help uh, educate the other companies in its portfolio about these recent strategies that are having great success for startup A or B or C or D. And, um, and of course, they're essentially in investing in these startups by giving them loans. They get, you know, um, so it's a very clever way to apply AI to the investor space because normally AI engineers are coming up with solutions around data sets about photos or videos or audio or other random media and whatnot. And this is being applied to investment and finance in a very, very incredibly clever way where you get the source of the data is startups itself. And that's incredibly interesting data to build models out of. So I, I was just really blown away. Well, the thing is, this is really, really intriguing. And the thing is here, they can also limit the risks for the investor because you will see if they derail like the founder going out and say, I'm going to sell 10% of my shares. Um, that would have an impact and could actually say, no, you're not getting this monthly uh, addition of the money we provided because you actually shoot yourself in the foot, sir. You are done. Okay, so the next article is from... Hey, Tyler, yes. I have a question. Go ahead. This is Al. What yeah. happens to the data after it's provided? Is is there going to be like a clause that it's like deleted or is it going to be used somewhere else? Mm, I guess it's it's anonymized so that if it's if any insights are shared, it's not connected to the source. Um we didn't get, we, it was a 30 minute meeting, so we didn't get into the intimate details of that. By the way, Tyler, yeah. um, you know, <coughs> sorry, <coughs> what you said about uh, a startup um, knowing that if they know they would be making a lot of money in 12 months, that, that they would go and get a loan. Well, guess what? Um, that's not feasible here, for example. In a lot of uh, startups here in Africa, uh, you just don't have access to loans. Correct. Unless you, uh, you know, unless you have uh, a big immobile, immobile asset to use that as collateral here in Ethiopia, you can't really get easy debt financing. Right. Um, and that's why SMEs and startups really struggle. Right. Um, and that's, or if you that's, don't have the rich uncles and friends and family. Right. Yeah. That's precisely why this is so genius, because essentially it's a bank for startups to take loans based on their data and their metrics. And so a bank doesn't have the means or the resources to accurately do the risk assessment of giving a startup a loan. Where This is essentially creating exactly that. It will take in how many users you have and your user growth over time, your website traffic over time, what percentage of your users stay users after one day, two days, three days, four days, five days, six days, they can watch the what's called the churn rate. They can watch you know, the lifetime customer value of every customer. They can watch the customer acquisition costs and, and the profitability curves, all of it, all of the data that every investor ever really wanted to know, they're gonna be able to get and recreate inside of their system and make very accurate uh, risk assessments um, across all types of industries and etc. So they can make, they can start doing loans to startups. That's kind of the genius of it. 
No, hey, Tyler, Tyler, it's also to just jump in on that, the AI portion of it. Um, one, it sounds like what they're doing is that they're going to have a model where they can evaluate the startups, as you said, and they can do that based on their customer acquisition costs, their churn rates, et cetera. But that's going to involve a lot of um, input from the startup, especially around yep. customer acquisition costs, yep. make sure they get everything in there. Yep. So this is going to be something to see how valid that is. It looks like the first step, because again, another arena for this is that the the exaggerating um, fraudulent, you know, the, this whole thing around fraudulent, you know, the stories being just going way too overboard here and things not being included in costs, et cetera, is so overboard now. You're hearing it everywhere that this is going to be another way to kind of validate these things. But also the initial one, as you said, is going to be to look at their campaigns and their, you know, the, the success of the app. And that's going to be easier than getting all that underlying customer acquisition costs, it looks like they're looking more at success of gaining those customers initially mm -hmm. and then um, you know, that projecting from that. And then they're, they're basically paying for that data. So the data is not going to be end user data. It's going to be six campaign success data mm -hmm. that the company is selling them for the loan, basically, or, you know, giving them. And, that, and it, the anonymization is to show that it's not from that startup. It's not end user data, right? It's just going to show success rates, non-success rates, which they, as you said, can then leverage across their portfolio of startups to show what works, you know, tools and tricks that work and tweaking it that works. And it ties to the earlier article that you said that um, Instagram or YouTube is, is not showing those metrics, which people rely on. This one, they will have proprietary metrics to show their portfolio of startups, which is um, you know, the insights that someone mentioned coming out of this. And so it, it is fascinating. It will be very interesting. Yep. Yeah, if I, if I was SoftBank or Tiger Global, I'd just buy this algorithm. Exactly out right. Exactly. I'd buy the whole company right now. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. So I have a question. So the presumption, because I have a, uh, I have, I'm working on a startup. So the presumption is that one would need to have a base, ha have most of the data, or have users already in order to do yes. correct projection. Like it. So it's not like a startup, like somebody came up with something. They don't have necessarily users yet. They just have projections, correct, of what it could possibly do. Okay. Yep. Yeah, yeah, but that's oh, why then, that's why yeah. I run it with my portfolio of SoftBank companies, and then I can use the uh, the 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 AI that's learned so much into projected companies that are now I'm looking to invest in. It's right. perfect. Okay. Yeah. So, but YouTube and stuff are probably just going to sell the data. Like they they may be blocking it, but all they're going to do is make just like the aftermarket association, these associations that gather all this data, they sell it back out to people. So that's probably what they're going to do. Why give it away for free? Because you want to, not, because you want to get a loan. No, the companies aren't. They're, they're not prohibited. They can no, I meant like, I meant like YouTube. ways, right? This is just one of the ways that they're going to give the, their and they're giving metrics, right? They're going to give metrics to these guys, give them access, and they have to, you know, input that somehow into this AI. So it's either into a platform or the, you know, decide that. But that data is redundant, right? They're handing it to those guys. They can hand it to anybody else. I mean, they can use that oh. data. Want, right? Yeah, my, my comment was about YouTube hiding the public information. I was like, they're probably just going to sell it. I mean, yeah, sorry, Ali. We, we oh, yeah, YouTube's moved on from that. Sure. Okay, so the next one is from Dr. Fran. Very interesting one. She found when we were talking earlier about the open metaverse interoperability. And somebody has made a declaration of independence for, of cyberspace. <laughs> um, which is this is this wild idea of kind of the governance of the metaverse and how's that all going to work and you're going to have countries in there and big tech companies carving out their own spaces 
and territories in the metaverse, and there will be ostensibly uh, open, unregulated, wild west areas of the metaverse. Um, and the idea of a declaration of independence, <laughs> that people could start new, new in political entities in the metaverse. So it's a, an article that I just tweeted out, and the title of it is uh, A Declaration of the Independence of Cyberspace. Can we keep and bear, our, bear arms? Yeah, digital arms, yes, and you can sell them. You, you can take your guns from your video games and you know, bring them into Facebook, and let's hope you... Uh, well, Facebook might not allow them in their... You know, kind of like some countries allow guns and some don't. Yeah, I would like the BFG 9000 then. So. I'm curious what the immigration uh, desk is going to look like when you try and enter Facebook's part of the metaverse. If you're carrying weapons or other other things that violate their policies. So uh, someone named Sindolor, uh, who listens from the audience, shared this one. That and and uh, Dr. Francine's going to love this one. Toys R Us launches NFT collection. The parent company of Toys R Us has partnered with leading authenticated NFT platform Eternity to bring the iconic um, animals of Toys R Us to the blockchain. With Jeffrey the Giraffe will be released starting November 13. Have you ever been more excited? Just in time for Christmas, and it's a digital gift back to Jeremiah's earlier um, prediction that we'll have a lot of digital and online gifts this year because of supply chain issues. Toys R Us, the world's beloved toy brand for generations of kids, is known as much for its nostalgic sense of wonderment as it is for its brand affinity and playful imagery. Didn't they go bankrupt? Uh, that was my, my thought. My Toys R Us is not available in Sweden anymore. They, they did go bankrupt, but they still existed in some places outside the country. I know they're all gone in the U.S. So here's still in the U.K. Here's the quote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just in the U.S. Well, I know how excited we are all we all are that Toys R Us is making an NFT of Jeffrey Giraffe. Uh, the quote here says, We are excited to unveil the first ever Toys R Us NFT collection, which features the iconic intellectual property of the Toys R Us brand, including one, the one and only Jeffrey the Giraffe, says Yehuda Schmidman, chairman and CEO of WHP Global and Toys R Us. As we continue to invest in the, in the growth of the brand, entering the blockchain signifies a momentous step into the future and allows us to broaden our engagement with our loyal and expanding community of Toys R Us fans. Because they're it... really sticking the neck out with this one. Oh Jesus! Did, did, did someone DM me and say this might be their desperate move? Uh, you know, to raise some money before they really get bank become bankrupt. I was just thinking that it would be totally cool to go into the metaverse and see. I mean, I I love. I mean, that's just nostalgia, but just going in there, seeing like a toy world, just saying, or seeing Willy Wonka 
or seeing all those type of things. Just saying nostalgia. Unless they can digitize this song. That's all I care about, Elle. (laughs) (laughs) I was was going to ask. I mean, is this something? That's how we get that that life-size Jeffrey the Giraffe in my home. So I'm happy for it. Erin, you just can we travel back into a core value? I mean, uh, one of Bain's, what is it called? The value chart. So exactly. Totally agree. Erin, you just found a related article. Oh, no, it was just, uh, I mean, I was just checking, was it, was it still real? Because my understanding was Toys R Us are, was gone as well. But they've, um, 27th of October, so just a couple of weeks ago, they signed a, a deal to um, make sure they could come back to life in physical and digital. So Toys R Us are around. I, I just, I yep. find this, I find this, this diminishes the value of NFT when we talk about stuff like that. Or not, not we talk about it, but yes. when articles like this are written, like, NFTs are going to be so important in the world of metaverse when you're looking for authentication and identity and all this kind of stuff. And you're looking for clarity because, because you can be anything, anybody can be anything. There's a real important part, a role to play for tokenization. And in this bit here, programmability, which is the smart contract behind an NFT. And I just feel that all this talk about an NFT being a bit of artwork or an NFT being a digital thing, it diminishes the role of an NFT in the metaverse. And it's a, it's all a joke. So I don't know. I'm just, I'll get off my soapbox. But no, you didn't need this, have, you need this initial stage to drive it. Tyler, yeah, but I have you... a question. Do we go back in time? I mean, when does the, what, what's the timeline? When does it begin? Can we go back a hundred years, 200 years? Can we create that world? Mm-hmm. Well, I, for me, I feel like we're when email was just starting and people were excited to have an email address and share it with each other. And then companies were super excited. You know, you can email us and here's our web page. We have a home page, a home site. And now we've got a home site and now we've got a, a Twitter account. And they were so proud how they had a Twitter account. And, and you know, it's like. Coke announced that they had a Twitter account and now everybody and their brother is making an NFT. And I feel like eventually NFTs will be, you know, like what we digitized mail and we call it email. And now we're digitizing, you know, everything under the sun and making it transactable in the form of NFTs. It's, It's going to be eventually as ubiquitous as email and about equally as exciting as email. So it's just, you know, it's just kind of painful to go through this process of everyone announcing that, you know, that every, everything that you can think of, every conceivable, thinkable thing can be made into NFT. So it's it's going to become absolutely commoditized and mundane in a very short amount of time. Oh, he's back. <laughs> hey, oh, Tyler. Tyler. No, we lost you, right? Tyler, you were muted for the past five, like, three minutes. <laughs> No, you were out of the room, and he's gone again. Oh, oh shit. Yeah. Am, I, am I still gone? Okay. Oh, we can hear you. I think you have been speaking to yourself for the past... No. Next thing you will blame the internet in Sweden. We actually yes. have the best internet in the what's world. Wrong with, what's wrong with Ericsson <laughs> in Sweden, Johan? Johan, as an American, can I sue Sweden for the bad internet? <laughs> <laughs> I was just giving the most beautiful rant I've ever given. And no one heard it. 
Yeah, yeah, do we start well, again? I love the idea of you nothing. sitting in a rented workspace in a tiny room, ranting to yourself. <laughs> 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 How many f bombs did he drop? Okay? Do you guys think? How many f bombs did he drop? I'd say about twenty, maybe. What rant about? Okay, and then don't forget this is Toys R Us, so it's for the kids. So be be gentle. I was I was making. Okay, you can the, start I was making the point that when email came out. Uh, you know, everyone got very excited for about a month. And now, you know, that's the digitization of mail. It's called email. And at the at the beginning, that was a very exciting thing. And then now we're digitizing everything. And we're calling them NFTs. And it's very exciting for the moment. But eventually, it will become as ubiquitous and as mundane as email. Ever heard of Mammo? I mean, all this stuff is cool, but can we please uh, stop we drop, ads? I just really again. just want don't to tell stop people. the ads. I don't want to go into the metaverse. I want to have that tier where I don't see shit. Yeah, we need to pay for everything, and everybody needs to start paying for everything. Which is that's a uh, rabbit hole Tyler, to go down. We lost you again. Let, let I'm here. Email. Okay. Okay. Can so we get some Huawei towers? We can start buying things no. in, uh, in sticker packs. I think I think it's okay. It's just another option. Those people who choose to do it, do it. Those people who choose not to do it, like me, don't do it. So we're gonna have a mix of Total Recall, Lawnmower Man, and Ready Player One. That's what it sounds like. The metaverse yeah, is gonna I, be. I always prefer the real stuff. Well, this I is... wonder who will be the Freddy. Kr- I wonder who will be the Freddy Krueger of metaverse. Ooh. Suck I don't know, but he, he's, he's been blocked. That's who the Freddy Krueger would be. I can't remember the guy's name. Greg something. He would be Freddy. Yeah, you can't even have a dislike uh, on a YouTube video. What makes you think there's going to be Freddy Kruegers in the metaverse? There's, It's going to be the biggest safe space anyone has ever dreamed of. End of the world. So, there's a, Aaron just found an interesting story. And I think this is some might be some genius marketing. Uh, where the headline that we read a few uh, headlines ago about a company called Zilch, a buy now, a Zinch, is it called? Is a buy now, pay later Zilch, which is from the UK. Um, and he is doing a buy now, pay later. Well, Klarna was, uh, by many people's accounts, was the first pioneer of buy now, pay laters. And nobody thought it would work when they when Klarna started in the early years. So Zilch's CEO is accusing Klarna of copying a feature from the smaller buy now pay later startup, despite the Swedish fintech company Klarna having had the service in several markets before it launched in the UK. So it predates even the person who's accusing them of stealing it. Yesterday, the Scandinavian quadricorn Klarna unveiled its latest feature called Pay Now which was widely interpreted as an attempt at appeasing UK regulators ahead of an expected treasury crackdown of buy now, pay later sector. Regulators have previously expressed concerns that consumers or customers using buy now, pay later services are putting their financial health at risk. The feature pay now enables Klarna users to pay the full amount of a product at the checkout using the same payment service as if they had paid in installments. Klarna also introduced a number of new initiatives designed to make the shopping with the buy now pay later business safer 
The news comes after the buy now pay later market is expanding to grow to be worth $166 billion by 2023. Did Klarna copy Zilch? While Klarna has launched Ping Now product elsewhere before introducing it to UK shoppers, the CEO of the smaller rival Zilch believes the $45 billion fintech company Klarna has drawn inspiration from a smaller Zilch ser service. Here's the quote. It certainly seems as if Klarna is taking a lot of inspiration from Zilch. Philip Bellamont, founder of Zilch, tells Verdict. Zilch pioneered our product, Zilch Now, which is exactly this product. And you can check out and pay everything at checkout and actually receive cash backs or discounts. Today, payments via Zilch Now represent more than 15% of the startup's daily sales. We're very excited and flattered that they take inspiration from what we're doing. And I think that it can only be a good thing for end consumers that they offer something like this. He says, I'm not sure what they plan to do with it. But yes, ultimately, I think it's, it's res responsible that you allow the customer the option to pay everything now and not only have deferred payment options. At the same time, the Zilch CEO admits that his startup has drawn inspiration from Klarna. <laughs> well, yeah, you're a buy now, pay later. You copied them. Um, and other big buy now, pay later businesses like Afterpay, who also copied Klarna. <laughs> so the advantage we have being a young company coming into the market when, when we have is we have the benefit of hindsight. He says, we get to see what other businesses have done and what we like about that and what we don't. Uh oh, is my mic dead again? No, okay, no. here we go. Not at all. Okay. Um, Klarna denies having copied the idea from Zilch, instead pointing to the fact that the service has been live in other countries long before being launched in the UK. With the British launch, the PayNow service is available across 15 countries. It brings the UK into line with our other brands, a Klarna spokesperson says. So if we've taken inspiration from anywhere, we've taken inspiration from our other markets, from ourselves, which is not to say that we don't look at the market and we don't pick up great ideas from the market, but it's not the case this time around. This is not the first time Zilch's founder has claimed that Klarna has drawn inspiration from his startup. In June, Klarna rolled out its new shopping app in the UK, providing users with access to buy now, pay later services wherever they shop online. Bellamont suggested the competitor had basically copied Zilch's similar solution, where people can shop at any vendor, even if the merchant is not signed up for the service. Klarna denied it at the time when the spokesperson said, this service has been live across key markets, including the US, for over two and a half years. There are more than 18 million users in the US alone, and the app was one of the 10 most downloaded shopping apps of 2020. Zilch was founded in 2018. The startup secured 80 million uh, round in April. Uh, it, it extended the round in late July, adding another 110 million. While several publications have pointed out that the new service comes as regulators are set to clamp down on the buy now, pay later market, the move is arguably also lays the groundwork for Klarna's bigger vision, etc. Yes, yeah, so this it's actually an, an older story, a reporting of something that happened earlier in the year. But I thought it was quite funny, given what we were talking about, the fact that everybody's scrambling to copy Klarna. And there the Zilch CEO is saying, well, you've taken all these ideas from us. Yes, it's interesting to. Isn't this 
the same as what's that one called? I've always a firm, I think it's called. Yeah. Isn't that the same? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's the same. Yeah. So because I thought I've always I've never heard of all of these. I just remember always seeing a firm everywhere. So, so wouldn't the firm be the first one? A slight, a slight subtle difference in, in all of these. And I, I worked with Afterpay way back um, 2016. Um, some of them go retail first. Some of them go to the retailers, get the retailers onboarded. And therefore, it's a payment vehicle when you get to the retailer point of sale or at a checkout page on the, on the websites, etc. Um, some of these guys uh, do issuer first. So they give you the ability to effectively get a debt instrument so you, you sign up to them and say oh i'm entitled to spend a thousand dollars two thousand pounds whatever it needs to be and the difference here with zilch is that the only slight difference is they don't use your credit profile or they use at least a soft check of it they they use oh. mostly open banking data so they do a quick check of your um your banking payments over the last two years and they have an affordability calculator that they then say you're entitled to this amount of debt now here's a MasterCard, go into any store online or in the real world, go and spend your free credit, so 0% interest, and we will in, give you installments to pay that back, 0%. Ultimately, they use the interchange network, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but yeah, I, I was asked to, to look at these guys a few months back for a senior position uh, in the C-suites, and I just found them come across with a lot of bravado. So I came across some of the stuff Carl was sending out there, some of those early articles. So not um, not of interest, but yeah, the buy now, pay later space is just heating up massively. So with the pay now, I'm sorry, I'm just inquisitive about the security part. So there's no, cause I see it as that one, it's a good way to put people on a budget. Like if they have a budget, they can budget out for this, to pay for this and that's it. Two, the, when you go, you don't have to worry about this, like using your actual credit card at the register it does give like their credit card number, right? It's like a random one or is it the same number all the time to avoid being um, uh, stolen? Like credit card No, it's, card. A, it, it's a standard. So you would get a standard card. So you get a standard um, issued card in the US. They're actually ironically going to use a firm's partner bank called Cross River as well. So it's the same, it's the same partner bank that a firm use. So you'll receive a card in the post, just like you do debit or credit card. Uh, you'll receive this card from um, Zilch. You go into the store, it has 16 digits across the front. It's called your primary account number. You will tap, swipe, dip, whatever you want to do um, to make that payment. Only it doesn't come off a credit limit, as in your credit balance, your credit reference agency record. It doesn't leave a stamp of a credit. Instead, they have taken on the liability to offer you a credit uh, amount and you can pay up to that credit amount and then they effectively give you installments to pay it back over time. So what happens if you, uh, what if the people are, you know, fraudulent and, well not fraudulent, what happens if they don't pay? Like, how do they, they go falter after on the loan. Oh, so yeah, it's like the, a loan still. Okay. It's, a sta it's, it's absolutely standard default, standard risks involved, mm -hmm. um, lots of funds. It's the exact same um, process. Yeah, because it was like, I, I've been hearing about it. I've never tried it. And I, it was just like, like, it didn't sound like it was possible. All right. So the next one is uh, Anna Marie found an article that she says is hot off the press. A link to the paper included. I'm tweeting it now to the Twitter account. And it says, um, looking forward to meeting with the co-organizers in the UK. 
A whole genome sequencing shines for rare disease diagnosis. Researchers diagnosed 25% of rare disease cases in the whole genome sequencing pilot study. A UK-led team has shared findings from the pilot stage of the 100,000 genomes. Okay. And we'll ask her about that next time we see her. SoftBank is likely to invest somewhere between 5 and $10 billion in India in 2022. That's a lot. That's a ridiculous amount. <laughs> and... May sends in this one that the headline says how African refugees used Bitcoin to build their own grassroots economy and hundreds of thousands of people in the uh, DRC, the Democratic Republic of Congo, fled their homes after the eruption of a volcano. They had to start a new economy, so they used Bitcoin, which there, there's your use case. And lastly, China's state bank looks for researchers in digital currency, quantum algorithms, and cryptography. A major Chinese state bank is hiring 20 postdocs researching digital currency, quantum algorithms, and crypto cryptography, and more. Russia plans to launch a platform to test the digital ruble early next year. China's central bank showcases a machine that converts 17 kinds of foreign currencies into digital yuan. A Chinese education company plans to mine Bitcoin outside of China to make money after the country cracks down on private tutoring. From TechNode. So thank you for that one. And last and but absolutely certain. So just, just, just quickly mm -hmm. on the last one, Tyler. If, if, if you don't want me asking, if it's a registered Chinese company and they're still, you know, they're, like they're doing sending taxes back and everything else, if they're physically doing the mining outside of the country, does that matter? Or are they still going to be hauled over the coals for this? I don't know. David Cheng would know the answer to that. Who I sp We had a phone call well, yesterday. They would get raked over the coals is China. I think they are. I think they are allowed to do mining outside of China because I spoke with David Cheng yesterday on the phone, um, and he has a, a Chinese mining company um, doing. You know, but they're operating outside of China. And he gave me the impression that many, you know, there's, there was a point in the conversation where he referred to the fact that many people are doing that, but they're trying to, if they, when they operate in the U.S., they try to add kind of white faces to the company to obfuscate the Chineseness of the company operating in the U.S., but it doesn't talk about how uh, they're not allowed to, you know. If you're a Chinese person, there's isn't really anything stopping that America is not going to generally stop you from starting a business uh, and crypto mining there or, or lots of countries aren't going to stop you from crypto mining as a Chinese person if you manage to exit the country physically which there's no reason you shouldn't be allowed to leave the country and if you leave the country you can go to a new country and when you're in that new country you can start a business doing crypto mining that there's you haven't violated anybody's rules there that I'm aware of you might not tell China that you're doing it and I don't know how they would know you are unless you told them So the next one is, or actually we've gone through the tweets as it is, as we always do, but the the last tweet 
uh, Cheryl has pinned to the top of the room, and it's a GoFundMe campaign to help the family of Chris Jung and Regina, organized by Christy Dye, who I think is a close friend of the family, and uh, others can who might know more about this than I do. And I, from what I understand, we're also um, in the works of planning a similar GoFundMe campaign ourselves, but different different campaigns can be you can collect funds for different purposes. So this might, um, you know, I would encourage people to check it out and read through it. And if it, if it uh, aligns well with, um, uh oh, did, did my mic go out again? And really, uh, support. So this is okay. the one that uh, Regina decided that we should uh, um, rally support for. Sure. Was there anything, any more word about his um his startup about that one? I know you guys were talking about making sure you that, mean that the fluid IQ? stays going. Yeah, to make sure it stays. Oh going. yeah. Um. Uh. We were we are we are on it. Uh. And uh, Tyler will also be helping them to uh do fundraising. Uh. We're in touch with their company. Uh, I mean, as in the co-founders. So Tyler, you back? yes. Welcome back. Thank you. Okay. Tadaima. So, yeah, I'm going to pin this in my link tree. Thank you again, Cheryl. I'm going to put it in my link tree on uh, Instagram. Thank you, everyone, for your support. Okay, Tyler, back to okay. you. Okay, well, that's it for today because I have an engagement <laughs> to run to. Um, but we will meet tomorrow at the regular time. Yes, uh, and remember, in uh, one hour, 20 minutes time, please join us at the Karma Club. Uh, Dr. Francine is also doing uh, fundraising via her Kama coin uh, for Chris' family too. Thank you. Alrighty. Yeah, and happy Veterans Day to anyone. It's for any other. Uh, oh, and thank you for your service, Veterans. Yeah, thank you for your service. Yeah. Alrighty. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Tyler. Okay, see you. Take care, everyone. Goodbye. Bye bye. Have a great day, Bye bye. Take care. Thank you, Tyler. Bye.